This conference will now be recorded. All right, hello and welcome to so, uh, Social Media Ethics presented by Margaret Downey. Uh, Margaret has presented for us before. She is just a tremendous presenter. She is the Executive Director of the Arizona Commission on Judicial Conduct and the Staff Director for the Arizona Supreme Court Judicial Ethics Advisory Committee, at least for another month or so. Uh, she will be transitioning to a new job, and that new job is going to be the presiding disciplinary officer um, for the state. I'll let her explain what that new position means. Uh, but we, we do have her expertise at least for another month or so. Uh, Ms. Downey is a pro, uh, previous Superior Court judge, previous judge on the Court of Appeals, uh, just an outstanding jurist and, uh, and, and a true expert in the field. I was disappointed to see that she did not apply for the, uh, for the Supreme Court. Um, but uh, we, we will take her in any position that we can get her. Uh, this matter will be recorded and placed as both a webinar and a podcast. The materials will be in Hightail. There's a CoJet certificate that is attached to the materials. Again, please turn your camera off and leave your uh, mic muted and any questions you can uh, have by putting in the chat box. And uh, Ms. Downey, please take it away. Thank you for that very nice introduction, Charlie. Um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to present on this topic. It, it's an important one, and I think more and more judges, judges pro tem, hearing officers are active on social media. So it's important to understand what some of the limitations are that you may not have had on your social media activities before joining the bench. Um, there are some differences, and I'll try to highlight them today, between what full-time judges are restricted from doing and what hearing officers or judges pro tem are restricted um, from doing. In general, full-time judges are going to have a higher level of restriction on their conduct than those of you who are not full-time judges, and I'll try to highlight that as we go along. Um, let's go to the next slide. We're going to be talking primarily today about the Code of Judicial Conduct. Um, but I also want to just alert those of you who are full-time judges to the Arizona Code of Conduct for Judicial Employees, because your court staff also have restrictions on their social media activities, particularly your court staff who work very, very closely with you um, in the courtroom or as an as a actual staff member, a personal staff member of the judge. Generally speaking, those types of employees are going to have the same level of restrictions on their social media activities as um, judges do. And judges, full-time judges, have supervisory duties um, to ensure that their court staff are complying with their code. So it's important that you be aware of and, and occasionally um, refer to and read the Code of Conduct for Judicial Employees. Let's go to the next slide. Um, Rule 1.2 is probably the rule that is most implicated. Um, now my earbuds are beeping, which I don't know what that means. But um, anyway, Rule 1.2, promoting confidence in the judiciary. Um, this says that judges shall act at all times in a manner that promotes public confidence in the independence, integrity, and impartiality of the judiciary and shall avoid impropriety and the appearance of impropriety. And then the comment to that rule makes clear that um, 
judges should expect to be the subject of public scrutiny that might be viewed as burdensome if applied to other citizens, and they must accept the restrictions imposed by the Code of Judicial Conduct. Um, so, you know, sometimes you think that judicial ethics just mean what you can and can't do in the courtroom, but Rule 1.2 and, and our whole discussion today, I think, is going to make clear that what you do outside the courtroom is also subject to some restrictions. Um, so let's move on to the next slide. You'll hear me talk today about um, ethics opinions, and I'm going to tell you how you can get ethics advice either about social media use or any other um, ethics questions that occur to you. Um, but there are a couple of kinds of ethics opinions. The most common is an informal opinion, which is when you email me for the next 30 days and then my successor, whoever that's going to be, and ask for advice about your own prospective conduct. We get over 200 inquiries like that per year. Then um, when we get questions that are recurring in nature and have sort of a broad-based um, appeal to the judiciary generally, the Judicial Ethics Advisory Committee, which I staff, will issue a formal written opinion. So what you're seeing right now on the screen is, is the front page of Advisory Opinion 1401. Um, that means it was issued in 2014, which you know is light years ago for, by social media standards. Um, but at the time this opinion issued, it addressed three primary social media platforms. The first, arguably, is really not a social media platform, but it's blogs. The second is um, LinkedIn, and the third is Facebook. And we'll talk a, a little bit about each of those platforms, but the opinion also makes clear that the principles that are stated in the opinion apply to any social media or electronic platforms that you may be involved with. And as you can see from the title of this advisory opinion, uh, use of social and electronic media by judges and judicial employees. Um, it applies both to you as judicial officers and also to your staff members. So to the extent you have staff members who are active on social media, and I'm sure you do because most especially younger staff members are, um, it's, it's prudent to give them a copy of this opinion so that they know what the limitations may be on their conduct. I um, as Charlie said, was a judge for 20 years. And during that time, I did maintain a somewhat um, low profile uh, social media presence, primarily on Facebook. I was very careful about what I posted. Um, and it, it can be navigated. Of course, the most cautious approach is to just stay off social media if you're a full-time judge. Um, as I said, judges pro tem and hearing officers, you're not gonna have the same level of restriction on social media but I will talk about some areas where you still could run into some problems with social media use. Let's go on to the next slide. So these are some overarching principles that can be gleaned from opinion 1401. Um, you should never discuss cases or issues that are pending or impending in your court. You should never share non-public information. You need to use caution with your online associations, whether those are friends or followers, and we're going to talk about that in some depth. Um, be dignified and non-discriminatory, and using a pseudonym doesn't protect you. You're either a judge or you're not, and whether you use your actual name or another name, um, the code is going to impose restrictions on you. Um, next slide, please. Um, the most problematic areas that um, you would encounter by using social media would include 
um, ex parte communications, obtaining facts outside the record, um, misusing the prestige of office to advance your own interests or the interests of others. That's a topic we'll explore in some depth. And this is one of the areas, though, where judges pro tem and hearing officers have fewer restrictions than full-time judges. Um, people may seek legal advice. Again, if you're a full-time judge, you have very heavy restrictions on your fundraising activities. And also full-time judges have um, material restrictions on their political activities. So we'll go over those areas as well. Next slide, please. Um, and then, you know, there's just the embarrassment test. Uh, you'll see, we're gonna go through some, what I call Facebook fails or judges who've gotten into trouble across the country for their um, mainly Facebook posts. Uh, and, and some of them shouldn't be on social media for the very re simple reason that they don't understand social media and they think that their privacy settings protect them somehow from anybody else seeing what they've posted. And I think most of us know that's simply not true. It's very easy for someone to take a screenshot or to share information that you have posted that you've only intended for a limited audience. So I always say, how would you feel if this appeared on the front page? Um, so before you post something, I, you know, I would think about that. Next slide, please. So we're gonna go through the three platforms um, that the Ethics Opinion 1401 specifically deals with. But um, as I noted, it has as the opinion states, these principles are equally applicable to other platforms like Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, or whatever. Um, so blogs is the next slide. I don't think a lot of judges maintain blogs. And the issue with a blog is, what is your blog about? If you have a blog that's about gardening or cooking or traveling, it's unlikely that that blog is going to be a problem under the Code of Judicial Conduct. But if you have a blog where you write about social issues or legal issues, um, you're gonna wanna take a look at this opinion because you have to be very, very careful um, if you're talking about anything on a blog dealing with issues that could come before your court or social issues that are sort of hot button issues. And then the next slide, we'll get into to LinkedIn a little bit. And here's the issue with LinkedIn. And, and this would apply to full-time judges, but this could also apply to hearing officers and judges pro tem. And, and what's really important is if you have a LinkedIn profile, does that profile identify you as a judge or a judge pro tem or a hearing officer? Because if your LinkedIn profile does contain those kinds of associations and references, then you're going to be very limited in terms of what you can do in recommending anyone else on LinkedIn. I'm not on LinkedIn and I'm only somewhat conversant with it. Um, many of you probably know that platform better than I do, but it, it's basically a professional networking site. And so this, this particular slide will show you a typical request you might get on LinkedIn. This person says, hey, I'm sending this to ask you, ask you for a brief recommendation of my work that I can include in my LinkedIn profile. And then if we go to the next slide, you'll see a somewhat typical LinkedIn um, page where people are recommending Allison and you know it will it will include any recommendation you've made of Allison it will include your name and also a link to your LinkedIn profile and then the next slide um, this is from ethics opinion 1401 and it says that a judge cannot publicly recommend professionals on sites such as LinkedIn because doing so uses the prestige of judicial office to advance the interests of another. 
Um, so remember, if, if your profile identifies you as a judicial officer of any kind, you can't publicly recommend people because that's going to be using the prestige of the judicial branch to advance the interests of someone else. LinkedIn does have a, a direct messaging um, system and you can, you can send recommendations to prospective employers um, through that direct messaging feature. The, the prohibition is on publicly rec recommending people. Um, next slide, please. So Facebook. Facebook has garnered the most disciplinary action across the country involving the judicial branch. Um, and as I said, we'll go through a number of cases where, <coughs> excuse me, judges have gotten into trouble. Next slide, please. <coughs> so <coughs> if you're not on Facebook, um, friends are people who you accept to follow you on Facebook, who can post, generally speaking, <clears throat> on your Facebook wall. And the next slide, I think Charlie is gonna be one that's like one of those that you keep, I don't know, that's not right. Okay, so there, there are courts across the country and judicial ethics advisory committees across the country that have taken varying views on whether you can be friends with lawyers or people who might appear in front of you. The strict view and jurisdictions like Florida follow this strict view. They say that judges can't be electronic friends or followers or whatever the equivalent is with attorneys or any others who may appear in court. Um, and the rationale is that there's an appearance of external influence, even recognizing that online friends are qualitatively different from traditional friends. So that's the strict view. The next slide will show the more um, liberal view which recognizes the non-traditional meaning of a friend in the electronic world. You know, you've got this little clip that shows a person has 3,982 friends. I think all of us would agree those can't be what we really consider to be true friends. Um, so the next slide, and I think this is the one, Charlie, where things kind of, you have to keep, yeah. Um, if you keep hitting enter, yeah. Can judges friend, like, or follow lawyers or litigants who appear in their court? The answer is no in some states like Florida. Uh, the answer is yes with qualifications in other states, including Arizona. So the next slide will tell you that there is no per se disqualification of a judge in a case where they have an electronic friend or follower. But you need to evaluate a number of factors before you decide um, whether to either recuse or maybe to make a disclosure to the parties. Um, you should consider things like the frequency of your online contacts, what's the substance of your online contacts, what types of things do you post? I mean, the more personal you make it, um, I think the connotation is that people who are your friends are closer to, close to you personally. Um, what is your friending practice? Do you accept anyone who sends you a friend request or are you more picky and choosy? And to, to the extent you're more exclusive in accepting friends, that also signifies perhaps a closer relationship with those who are friends with you. How many friends do you have? Again, if you have in the thousands, that probably indicates that most of these people aren't really that close to you. Do you actually have a real life relationship with the person? Um, and what kind of case is at issue? Um, and then the next slide um, is again from Ethics Opinion 1401. And it says that if your online associations are going to lead to frequent disqualification, you have to consider whether continuing that online relationship is appropriate. You can't unfriend someone just to avoid disqualification. 
And um, this last bullet point we're going to expand on in a couple of slides from now. Uh, you shouldn't friend or like law enforcement officials or public officials who appear in front of in your court. Um, next slide, please. So this is another one where you you just keep kind of pressing the button and more things comes in, more things come in. Um, so you shouldn't like pages of groups that appear in court often. So law enforcement pages, victim ad advocacy pages, expert witness pages. Um, and you can see some of the clips, this is Gilbert Police Department. So if you were uh, serving in the Gilbert Municipal Court, you probably wouldn't wanna um, show that you're a friend of the Gilbert, or following the Gilbert Police Department or DUI checkpoint alerts. Um, the next slide has some more don'ts in this regard. Um, avoid following or liking legal issue and high profile case pages. Um, in the limited jurisdiction courts, the examples we cited here probably aren't that relevant, but you get the gist. Um, you know, if you were in a court that, that handled death penalty cases, you probably don't want to be associated one, with one side or the other, pro-death penalty, anti-death penalty. Um, other examples on this slide include following pages that dealt with the Jody Arias case or the George Zimmerman case out of Florida. Um, next slide, please. <clears throat> this is a, a real life case out of Florida. And you know, this is, this is, I can't imagine anyone really would do this, but apparently, well, not apparently, the judge did. The judge is hearing a divorce case. And while the divorce case is pending, he sends the wife a Facebook friend request. She contacts her lawyer and asks what she should do. And the lawyer advises her to ignore the judge's request. Well, um, the judge issues a ruling in the divorce case and it, it goes very heavily against the wife and it, the wife files a motion to disqualify the judge. Um, if, if I could see you all, I would ask what's your ruling, but um, I think you won't be surprised by the next slide where you see that the Florida court ordered the judge disqualified. Um, saying that the judge, it was an ex parte communication um, during the pendency of a case. That communication um, presented a basis for disqualification, particularly where the party's failure to respond to the Facebook friend request created a reasonable fear of offending the judge and that the friend request placed the, the litigant between the proverbial rock and a hard place. Either engage in improper ex parte communications with the judge presiding over the case or risk offending the judge by not accepting the friend request. Um, so you absolutely, even though I told you, and, and you can have electronic friends, of people who, who are pre-existing who may appear in front of you, um, never ever solicit an online association with someone who has a matter pending in front of you. Um, this is another case out of Wisconsin where a trial judge accepted a Facebook friend request from a litigant who had a pending family court matter before the judge. Um, and the Wisconsin appellate court vacated the judge's ruling and remanded the matter for a new hearing before a different judge based on that judge's Facebook um, association with the litigant. Next slide, please. So uh, remember I said there's several factors that you want to consider when you're deciding whether your online associations warrant either recusal or disclosure. And um, disclosure is set forth in Rule 2.11c of the Code of Judicial Conduct. So if, if, if it's not a mandatory, um, 
first of all, if you believe you can be fair and impartial, and it's not one of the enumerated mandatory recusal situations, um, then you can make a disclosure on the record. Where judges sometimes um, go wrong in terms of this rule is that you have to, once you make a disclosure of a potential conflict of interest, you have to allow the parties and the lawyers to consider your disclosure outside your presence and outside the presence of your court staff so that they can decide whether to waive disqualification. And the rationale for that is, is pretty readily ascertainable. I mean, if a judge says, hey, I'm Facebook friends with the prosecutor in this case, does anybody have any objection? And you sort of stare at the pro se defendant, um, there's a, a potentially coercive effect to that. And so the, the rule does require that you allow the parties and the lawyers to discuss your disclosure outside your presence. And then if they agree that you can continue to serve on the case, you need to make a record of their agreement, um, meaning put it on the record. Now this next slide um, is really intended for the full-time judges who are in attendance because you have very significant restrictions on your political activities. And I think judges kind of know that from new judge orientation, but tend to forget that that carries over to your online activities. Um, those of you who are not full-time judges, you do not have these same political restrictions, and so you don't have to be concerned about what I'm about to say. In fact, you don't have to be concerned at all. This applies to full-time judges, their personal staff, courtroom clerks, and court managers. Um, you cannot publicly endorse or oppose a candidate for public office except in your own personal campaign. So you shouldn't be posting on Facebook about political candidates. Um, you can't solicit funds for a political organization or candidate. You can't actively take part in a political campaign other than your own. And you can't, this last bullet point would apply to pro tems and hearing officers. I don't think you'd do this, but no one, no judicial officer can use court staff facilities or other court resources for political activities, including court email. So those first three bullet points only apply to full-time full judges. That last bullet point would apply to all judicial officers. Next slide, please. Um, this is a this is a case with what I believe to be a fairly fairly actually very harsh result. But it arises out of Florida, and it was a judge whose husband was also running for judicial office. So um, the judge posts on Facebook asking her friends to help her husband correct some misstatements that his opponent had apparently made about him. So it's one post. Um, the judge admits that she violated the code. She apologized. She said she intended the post to be a private message to her friends, and she removed it after realizing it could go beyond her circle of friends. And the Florida Supreme Court accepted her stipulation to a 30-day suspension without pay. Um, the court had previously rejected the party's agreement for a public rep reprimand. So again, this would only apply to those of you who are full-time judges. You know, it's I think this is a harsh result. I'm not sure that, that this level of sanction would occur in Arizona for a first time offense for one isolated incident of a political posting. But as I told you a few slides ago, Florida is very strict in terms of um, precluding, almost prohibiting judges involvement on social media. So maybe that's not surprising. Next slide, please. Um, this is another this is a, a public reprimand, so a lot less than a suspension, obviously, out of Texas. Um, but a judge had shared other candidates' campaign materials on his Facebook page. 
And what's significant about this, again, this would only apply to those of you who are full-time judges. Um, the Texas Disciplinary Commission rejected the judge's defense that he had not authorized the postings and was not aware of them. And so for those of you who do um, run for election, just remember that under Rule 4.2, basically you're, you're liable for what your campaign folks do. And you're required to review and approve all campaign statements and materials and to take reasonable measures to ensure that others don't do things that you personally couldn't do. Um, next slide, please. So we've already gone through a few real life, no good cautionary tales, but we're gonna go through a few more. Um, and the next one is, I think, not so bad, but it raises some issues. Again, those of you who run for election probably use social media um, in your campaign endeavors. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is a case where Judge Slaughter out of Texas actually maintains a Facebook page um, on an ongoing basis. Um, and the next slide will tell you that she um, uses her Facebook page to communicate her judicial activities to the public. And uh, in this case, um, she posted that she had a big criminal trial starting on Monday. And someone posted a response on her Facebook wall that said, one of my favorite Clint Eastwood movies is Hang 'em High, Just Saying Your Honor. That's not a typo, just is the way it was, was um, written. And the next slide um, shows another one of Judge Slaughter's posts that um, was complained about. She posted, we have a jury deliberating on punishment for two counts of possession of child pornography. It is probably one of the most difficult types of cases for jurors and the judge and anyone else to sit through because of the evidence they have to see. Bless the jury for their service and especially bless the poor child victims. So there was a disciplinary complaint filed against Judge, Judge Slaughter based on those two Facebook posts. If we go to the next slide, you'll see that the Texas um, Disciplinary Commission did not issue imposed discipline on Judge Slaughter. And looking at the last bullet point first, it gave her credit for removing the hang em high comment as soon as she saw it. And, and I, I agree that was appropriate. And, one of the, the later slides will, will tell you that if you do maintain a social media presence, you need to be very vigilant about seeing what other people are posting on your page or your wall or whatever the equivalent is on the other platforms and remove things that you personally couldn't say. So she did that here and she got credit for that as she should have. And the court didn't sanction her for the other posts she made about the child pornography case. Um, but it did say that it created a possibility of recusal or even a mistrial and that it could detract from public trust and confidence. Um, the next slide is an example of a judge who, oh, sorry. Um, the, the rule that's implicated by um, what Judge Slaughter posted and some of the slides that are coming up is Rule 2.10. Um, and it says the judge shall not make any public statement that might reasonably be expected to affect the outcome or impair the fairness of a matter pending or impending in any court or make any non-public statement that might substantially interfere with a fair trial or hearing. Um, Arizona's rule 2.10 it is it's the same as the ABA model rule and it's very broad because you see that it says you shouldn't, well you shall not make any public statement um, about matters pending or impending in any court. So it's not just limited to your own court. Um, so just remember that one. Okay, the next slide I believe is um, 
Judge McLaughlin out of Kentucky, and this was also a public reprimand. The judge shared a news story about a case that was pending in a different court, um, in a yeah, different court in her county. So it wasn't in her court. Um, and this is what she posted. This murder suspect was released from jail, all caps, just hours after killing a man and confessing to police. Um, the next slide. Kentucky has the same rule, Rule 2.10, that I just told you about from Arizona, um, which applies to commenting on cases pending in any court. And the Kentucky Commission concluded that Judge McLaughlin failed to act at all times in a manner that promotes public confidence in the integrity and impartiality of the judiciary, and that she violated um, their, their equivalent of Rule 2.10, because she was talking about a case pending in another court. Um, and she was weighing in basically on the guilt of the person. Next slide, please. Um, this is one where the judge posted a press photo on his Facebook page that showed him conducting an initial appearance. And the headline um, that had been written by the press said, police, woman exploits $1 million from dying mom. Um, well, after the judge posted that, there were a number of responses from his friends, including things like disgusting, hopefully you set a high bond and get him Brent, my personal favorite. Um, the next slide, um, Judge Hall argued that he hadn't done anything wrong. He said, I have not made any comment about any pending or impending matter. I have posted a still photo of myself without comment or opinion or statement. Um, you may not be surprised to learn, the next slide please, that um, the West Virginia Disciplinary Commission did not um, agree with his defense and they publicly admonished him, which is the equivalent of a reprimand in Arizona. Um, the next slide, they point out that um, by placing that photo on his Facebook page, the judge expressed the woman's perceived guilt in a louder voice and in a more certain tone than if he had actually written the words himself. The post was also designed to elicit responses from his friends. Um, so the, the public admonishment of Judge Hall was based on, on those issues. Um, next slide, please. This is a judge who Remember I said, I don't think you should be on a social media platform if you don't understand it. And that was the case here with Judge Burse out of Minnesota. He believed that because he had his privacy settings on Facebook set to only friends and family, that he was pretty safe because his friends and family don't appear in front of him and so he could post whatever he wanted. Um, some of his posts are on the next slide. Um, Honestly, I, I think he should have been disciplined for random capitalization and poor grammar, but that's not the way um, it proceeded. He talked about being in a felony trial, state prosecuting a pimp. Cases are always difficult because the women, as in this case, will not cooperate. We deal with a lot of geniuses, just awful. His son turned out to be such a clunk. I don't know what that means, but he's referring to um, somebody's son's indictment. So, um, Next slide, please. There are problems with this. Um, the court said that the postings in the evening, which followed jury selection and opening statements, imply the premise that the defendant is guilty of the charge and the corollary that the woman involved is a prostitute. 
they imply a prejudgment of the case, and the court uh, vacated the verdict and ordered a new trial based on Judge Burse's Facebook post. Um, again, he was under the misapprehension that his postings would only be seen by friends and family. I think this is a really egregious case. Um, this is out of Texas. This is a judge who posted um, a statement on a police department's Facebook page after the police department announced that it had arrested a person who allegedly murdered a police officer. So Judge Oakley posts this, time for a tree and a rope. Um, the comment um, appeared on the judge's Facebook page as well, and the man arrested was African-American. The next slide actually shows the post. Um, you can see James Oakley. What's interesting is where you see James Oakley, time for a tree and a rope. The, the, the first comment is by a gentleman named David Friedman who says, very inappropriate remark. I am as angry as anyone, but for you to use Facebook to flaunt your opinion as an elected official in such a foul manner is disgusting. Lost my further support. Um, I don't know how many of you are old enough to understand Judge Oakley's defense, um, but he took the post down after there was media coverage. He called it harsh and off the cuff, but he denied that it was race-related, saying it was a reference to the humorous advertising campaign for paste picante sauce from the 1980s. I think that's one of the worst defenses ever. I mean, for those of you who are not old enough to remember that commercial, it has it, it depicted a couple of cowboys sitting around a campfire and they're eating chips and salsa. And um, one of the cowboys turns the bottle of salsa around and reads the label and says, made in New York City. And the other cowboy says, get a rope. Um, I, I really see no connection between that and Judge Oakley's comment, but okay. This is Texas and Judge, uh, Judge Oakley received a public reprimand, which I think is very light. You know, you, you look back at Florida at the one ju judge who posts one Facebook post about her husband's judicial campaign and she gets a 30-day suspension. Judge Oakley got a public reprimand and was ordered to complete um, training, 34 hours of training. Um, don't know what Arizona would do, but I think it would be worse than a public reprimand. Um, next slide, please. I feel, I feel sorry for this judge, but this is another sort of cautionary tale because the judge is on the bench and okay, she shouldn't be looking at Facebook while she's in a trial, but she's in a trial, she's in a DUI trial. And um, apparently one of her Facebook friends posts that he or she is homesick that day. And so this judge uh, posts something to the effect of, I wish I were homesick today. Instead, I'm being tortured by a defense lawyer in a trial. Well, her post, which she thinks only her friend who's homesick is going to look at, goes viral and ends up on the front page of the Austin, Texas newspaper. So again, remember I, I showed you that slide about the embarrassment test. Think about whether your post, if it made the front page, would embarrass you or the court. I'm sure she was embarrassed, um, especially saying she was being tortured by the defense lawyer in the trial. The next slide, which you got a little brief preview of, is um, this is an ongoing battle in Arkansas, which is my home state, um, with Judge Griffin, who is both a full-time judge and a pastor. And yes, that is Judge Griffin lying on a cot at a demonstration about abolishing the death penalty. Um, and the next slide shows a number of his posts about the death penalty. Um, so 
the Arkansas Disciplinary Commission and Judge Griffin have been battling over his recusal, um, the perceived need, um, I think the actual need for him to recuse on death penalty cases. So that, that is still brewing in Arkansas. Um, next slide, please. Um, this is a case where a judge ran afoul of several um, rules. None of these rules that we're going to talk about with N. Ray Johns apply to pro tems or hearing officers, but they do apply to full-time judges. Um, judge Johns posted on Facebook about some pending cases. He endorsed a presidential candidate, um, and he encouraged participation in a church fundraiser. All of those are prohibited by the code. Um, again, he expressed contrition during the disciplinary proceedings, agreed not to post about such matters in the future, but he agreed to a six-month suspension, which I think is kind of harsh, but um, there you have it. Um, what's the next one, Charlie? Oh, this is another one. This was a court commissioner. Um, he resigned and agreed never again to hold judicial office based on his Facebook post. Um, I think if we go to the next slide, we'll see what he posted about this was politics, as I recall. Um, yeah, dozens of instances of misconduct um, by posting about a whole host of social issues, about presidential candidates. Um, and he also lied about whether he had actually taken down the offending post. So he resigned and agreed never to seek judicial office in the future. Again, none of those are things that you who are pro tem or Hearing officers have to worry about the full-time judges, yes. Now, independent investigation is something that all of you need to worry, worry about and, and not do, frankly. The rule is 2.9, um, and it, it relates to social media because it's now so easy to get information um, online about litigants, um, lawyers, et cetera. And rule 2.9 says that, um, except as otherwise provided by law, which is really um, very rare. A judge shall not investigate facts in a matter independently and shall consider only the evidence presented and any facts that may, be, may properly be judicially noticed. Um, next slide, please. Um, so you shouldn't look at parties or witnesses, social media accounts. You shouldn't use social networking to obtain information about a pending or impending court matter and it's best to avoid news stories about any cases you're handling. I think our next slide shows a judge who I kind of feel sorry for. Um, yeah, this is a New Hampshire judge, and, and I, I know you all don't handle domestic relations cases, but, but I'm sure there's an analogy in your courts. Um, and I was on family court for a number of years, and especially when you have pro se litigants on both sides, they often don't know what evidence or, or information you need to make a decision. So in this case, Judge Albee was um, handling a divorce case for two pro se litigants, and they didn't provide her with any information about the value of the marital residence. So she went on Zillow to get that information. And I think that's kind of a natural reaction. It is a code violation to do that because those are that's a disputed fact issue. Um, so before you resort to doing any online research yourself, um, you need to give the parties an opportunity to provide the information to you that's missing. Alternatively, um, and, and I think 
I think this could be done in court if you still have the parties in front of you and you say, you've given me insufficient information to decide X issue. Um, how are we going to resolve it? Let's say you need to decide what the Kelly Blue Book value is of a vehicle. Um, if, if you're in the party's presence and they and you tell them, I'm going to go online and do this, you find out what the, the value is and you tell them and give them an opportunity to be heard, you're okay. But what you can't do is just on your own start going out and investigating facts, um, even though that's obviously the quickest way to do it. I feel sorry for Judge Albee because she also made the front page of some New Hampshire newspaper and I don't think what she did was all that bad, even though it was a code violation. Um, next slide, please. So we're going to go through a few hypotheticals, although we'll have probably too many and run out of time. Um, let's go to the first one, Charlie. Um, okay, just spoiler alert, this only applies to the a few of the next few slides really only apply to full-time judges because they're going to deal with um, charitable activities and political activities. And full-time judges are limited in ways that hearing officers and pro tems are not. Um, but here we have a judge who um, posts on her Facebook page that she is attending the Arizona Animal Welfare League's um, fundraiser. Um, for those of you who are full-time judges, the answer is yes, she can do this. Um, you can attend any fundraisers you want, and I think you can also say you're attending. Let's go to the next slide, though, because it's a little different. So this is the judge, same judge saying, please join me at this fundraiser for a great cause. That's a definite problem. Full-time judges cannot engage in solicitation for um, charitable civic activities with very limited exceptions. You can solicit from your own family members or from judges who who don't have supervisor, who you don't supervise in any capacity, but you can't generally solicit. So this would be a problem under the Arizona Code. Um, before we go to the next slide, you see that this judge uses as her profile picture herself in a judicial robe. And yes, that is me. Um, so let's compare that to the next slide. Here we've got the judge who uses as her Facebook page a picture of herself with her very, very adorable and slightly overweight orange cat who did come the, from the Arizona Animal Welfare League. And on this slide, we have the judge saying the same thing. Please join me at this fundraiser for a great cause. So do we think that makes a difference that the judge here is not wearing a robe, whereas in the prior one she was? Um, the answer is it does not make a difference. Because the code provision we're dealing with here says a judge shall not directly solicit funds for any organization. And so whether this person is wearing a judicial robe or holding an orange cat, she's still a judge. And so that would be a code violation. Again, this does not apply to those of you who are pro tems or hearing officers because you can engage in fundraising activities. The only thing I'll say about that, though, in terms of you who are pro tems and hearing officers, is even though you can engage pretty um, normally with any civic and charitable activities and political causes, you always want to keep your judicial status out, out of the equation. So it would be a violation of the code for those of you who are pro tems or hearing officers to use your status with the court uh, in an attempt to raise funds or to engage in political activities. But as long as you keep your judicial role out of it, 
those of you who are not full-time judges can pretty easily participate. Um, next slide, please. Um, this is an example of a, this is a Supreme Court justice in the state of Washington who actually got um, publicly sanctioned because of her post encouraging people to um, donate or participate in some charitable activities. Next, next slide shows similar to this in terms of her posts. Um, and then the next slide. This is the, um, she stipulated to a public admonishment. Um, and the next slide I think is important because it tells, it tells, oh, sorry. No, that, the, the next slide is also out of Washington. And this is a judge who also was publicly admonished for encouraging people to go to a fundraiser for the Burlington Fire Department. Again, this would only apply to full-time judges. The rest of you can, can encourage people to engage in and donate to, to civic activities. But this is the case I think I was thinking of for the next slide, which explains why, even though these are really, um, these are good causes, um, the Washington Supreme Court noted that the prohibition against judicial solicitation of money does not reflect on the worthiness or virtue of the charity or the cause in question. With a few specific exceptions, the Code of Judicial Conduct has a bright line rule against a judge soliciting funds, no matter how noble the cause. Um, and, and the Washington court pointed out that you really have to have a near blanket prohibition because otherwise you're gonna have a conduct commission sort of engaging in the inquiry of, of the value of this communication or this cause, which obviously you don't want governmental agencies doing. So it's kind of a harsh result, um, but those of you who are full-time Judges need to remember that um, you can't do any of this on social media. Next slide, please. Um, so this is uh, a Twitter uh, post that this judge made about several years ago when the Ninth Circuit decided to allow audio live streaming of an important argument. And the judge is commenting on Twitter about Ninth Circuit was so right to live stream audio of this oral argument. Um, it's probably okay. Judges are encouraged under the code to educate the public about the legal system, um, the judicial system, the administration of justice. And so this is not really a comment. In fact, it's not a comment on the substance of the arguments pro or con, just about um, the court live streaming and being more transparent. So I think that's okay. The next slide um, is a judge saying, eBay users, check out this new opinion by the Arizona Court of Appeals, sellers beware. Um, I think for the most part that post is probably okay. I think the sellers beware, some people have suggested that that's problematic and, and maybe it's best to leave that out, except that's what the opinion says, is that sellers on eBay beware. If you make a mistake, you're gonna be um, stuck with the bargain that you advertised, whether you meant to or not. Um, so again, the judge is educating the public about legal opinions, which I think is, is okay. Um, next slide shows a judge who posts on Twitter that she's excited to speak to this group on Friday about the role of the courts. And it happens to be the organization um, Arizona Right to Life. Um, 
I think this is okay because of what the judge says she's going to be speaking about. Judges can go speak to any organizations about things like the role of the court. Where a judge is going to get into trouble is if a judge goes to an organization, whether it's Arizona Right to Life or Planned Parenthood on the other side, and talks about social issues, abortion, right, right to choose, those sorts of things. Um, I personally would not have, would not post this. And just as an FYI, for those of you who are full-time judges and do go out on speaking engagements, there are a lot of ethics opinions about um, speaking to groups with defined interests. And one of the, the um, points that comes out of those opinions is that if you were to go speak to Arizona Right to Life about the role of the courts, then you also need to be willing, if asked, to go speak to a group that holds different views about the role of the courts. Um, so, but I think that post is, is probably okay, even though I wouldn't have posted it. Um, next slide, please. So what about like on Yelp, um, liking or posting endorsements? Remember this, this harkens a bit back to LinkedIn, where we talked about not using the prestigious judicial office to advance the interests of another. Um, if we go to the next slide, you'll see what this judge purportedly did is she wrote a review. And by the way, for the next 30 days, I'm not a judge. Um, and so I can recommend this sandwich shop. It's excellent. It's in Wickenburg, if you're ever in Wickenburg. But I dummied up a little um, recommendation here, which clearly shows, I think it's clear, um, it's intended to be clear that the, the judge is in a judicial robe and that this is being posted, um, making it pretty obvious that she's a judge. And that's a problem. If you as a private citizen want to go on to Yelp and evaluate, um, you know, a nail salon, a travel agency, whatever it is, a restaurant, and don't identify yourself as a judge, either through your picture or your comments, that's okay. I mean, you do retain some First Amendment rights as a judge. But, but the problem comes in when you either through the picture like we have here on this slide or through your comments, if you said, I'm a judge and I eat at this restaurant every week and it's really great. Um, that's a problem. You need to keep the, the judiciary out of these kinds of recommendations. Um, next slide, please. And here's the rule. Um, we've talked about it before, but a judge shall not abuse the prestige of judicial office to advance the personal or economic interests of the judge or others. Um, and so that's the rule that's implicated when you start publicly touting, you know, plumbers or restaurants or um, hairdressers um, using your judicial status. Next slide, please. Um, these last few are just sort of, they just make you think. I, again, to me, these are more front page, what would it look like? For, I'm going to defend posting this because I think it is beyond argument that pumpkin spice pizza is disgusting. I, I really would challenge anybody to disagree with that. Um, so I think this post is okay, but the next, they get increasingly like more cringeworthy. That one's only mildly cringeworthy. The next one, yeah, it's pretty cringeworthy, would not post that. And then this one, we just need to watch the entire three tequila. Uh, oh, Charlie, we missed the guy falling down. That's the best part of that last slide, but all right, you got the gist of it. Are you going back? There we go. Yeah. There we go. So don't post that me last Friday. That would be a front page uh, problem. Here's sort of a recap of the principles that we've talked about. Um, 
don't use social media unless you're willing to exercise constant vigilance, delete comments by others that you personally couldn't make. Ethics Opinion 1401 says that retweets, likes, shares, and links are the same as direct comments by you. And um, the opinion also says that although there are some code provisions that prohibit only public statements, you need to assume that all of your postings will be made public. Next slide, please. Um, although Opinion 1401 says you may disclose your ju judicial position, you need to observe the highest levels of restrictions if you do. Don't talk about pending or impending cases. Don't make fun of litigants or cases. Don't make fundraising appeals if you're a full-time judge. Don't comment about political candidates if you're a full-time judge. Next slide. Um, be dignified in all your comments, photos, links, and status updates. Again, the front page test, don't use when tired, angry, or drinking. Sarcasm and humor are easily misunderstood. Sarcasm and humor are easily misunderstood, not just online, but in the courtroom. That's just a total digression. But, um, you know, we see a number of complaints where judges try to be funny and use humor in the courtroom, and it often backfires. But emojis are never the answer. And next slide. For those of you who are full-time judges, um, you do have a duty under the Code of Judicial Conduct to require your court staff to uh, act in a manner consistent with both your obligations and their own Code of Conduct. And that's why one of the early slides, I mentioned the Code of Conduct for Judicial Employees, because if you have employees who are on social media, you as a judge um, have a supervisory obligation to make sure they know what their ethical obligations are and then to the extent you can, um, ensure that they comply. Next slide. Um, so these are just some recommendations it, it, with new employees, and maybe your HR department does this for you, but, but the closer the people are to you um, in terms of staff members, I think more important it is for you to have these discussions personally and not just leave it to HR. Um, I have to confess that I had been on the bench at least two years before I knew there was an employee code of conduct and before I had any inkling that I should maybe read it and see what my employees were prohibited from doing. Um, and if you do have a staff member who is violating some of these principles on social media, you do have an obligation to take remedial action. Um, next slide. Okay, and the next slide. Um, just a reminder that there is help available for any of you, including pro tems and hearing officers. If you have a question that um, implicates the code of judicial conduct, and it's a question about your own prospective conduct, then reach out and ask the question. Um, my email address is there, mdowney at courts.az.gov and I'm around for the next 30 days, and then after that, whoever assumes my position will also be the one who fields your ethics questions. Just as I said, you can only ask about your own conduct, and you can only ask before you do it. Once you've already done something, it's too late for us to give you an opinion about it. Um, I think the next slide is probably the last. Oh, well, just, yeah, just, yeah, it is, yada, yada, yada. Um, and the last couple of slides are just kind of throwaways. But it's 501, so we are 
out of time. I, Charlie, didn't really monitor the chat box. I don't know if there are any questions or anything that I need to cover before we say goodbye. Okay, I can't hear you. I don't know if everybody else can. I, I just did the most embarrassing thing a host can do and forgot to unmute myself. There, there wasn't anything in the chat box. Um, so I'm going to unmute everybody. We do have a couple minutes because we started a couple minutes late. And so if anyone has a question, you can turn your camera on and ask away. You want to tell us uh, briefly what your um, new position is going to entail? Sure. I am going to become the, the presiding disciplinary judge. Um, it's a judge hired by the Supreme Court to hear attorney discipline matters. And eons ago, um, in the 1980s, I actually worked in the State Bar's Discipline Department as the Chief Bar Counsel. So it's kind of going full circle. I miss judging. I've, I've been in this position about three and a half years. And so um, it's a new professional challenge and one I'm excited about. I will be uh, have judicial status again, so I'll see all of you at the judicial conferences in the future in a different capacity. Charlie, my I, I suspect that your email is not going to change, so you're probably going to continue to get some uh, email questions. Uh, Judge Reagan, yes. Could uh, Judge Downey explain the, the process of self reporting? I can. Um, you know, there is no obligation under the Code of Judicial Conduct for a judge to report him or herself, with the exception of a, um, a being charged with a criminal offense. There you do have an obligation to report. So that's actually a question that judges sometimes pose to me. They'll say, okay, this is the situation. Do I, do I need to report myself? Um, but if you think you want to report yourself for whatever kind of issue that there may be, all you need to do is um, send an email or a letter, and you can send it either to that email address for myself that was on the, the screen, or, um, well, that's probably the best way to send it. It can be an email. I mean, the, the most common self-report we get, it, it deals with delayed rulings and judges who have blown the 60-day um, ruling. You know, if you've only blown it by a little bit and you fix the problem, I usually tell judges there is, you really don't need to report that if it's been a really substantial delay. Um, I think self-reporting can be a good idea because even though there's no duty to self-report, it's viewed as a mitigating circumstance. Okay, thank you. Sure. Uh, last chance for any other questions for Ms. Downey. Well, thank you uh, for joining us today. Thank you for all that you have contributed to the Arizona Judiciary and the Arizona Bar. Uh, we do wish you the best of luck in your new position, and thank you so much. This should be posted uh, in my YouTube and podcast feeds tomorrow. Uh, the materials are available in Hightail. Everybody stay safe and healthy. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.